Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I've got to. All right. We are going live here today, 2.30. 30 it's automatic. It's actually 2 o'clock. We have moved the show up half hour. Awesomeo.com, PGS, PGA DFS strategy show, Pebble Beach Pro-Am. That's not even true either, though, because we don't have any celebrities. But you know what? We've got a golf tournament. Myself, Ben Razzik, here with fantasy golf man Tim Frank. I Honestly, I hate this tournament. I guess I hate it a little less now that there's no uh, your boy Ray Romano and, and, and co. But uh we are at Pebble Beach, Tim. What do you make uh, of what we got in front of us this week? The players don't even want to play here. The players don't even like this event. Everybody. As everybody's withdrawing, I think everybody hates this event. But um, we're degenerates, so we're going to try and uh, win some money off of it. But uh, yeah. somebody's got to win some money. Might as well be us. How many people? Uh, so I guess I said it at a pretty fair point five. Uh, we've got an hour here. How many people are going to withdraw during this show? because oh it's i like, would go over over a half yeah for same. sure I, I think i would because um, we've been pretty we, we've gotten hit with a, a, a quite a few mid show withdrawals um so yeah i'll go over a half yeah we had a sam burns one a couple weeks back but before we go there i do want to say phoenix open which is one of my favorite tournaments would have been my favorite tournament if scotty scheffler won uh then he didn't then he came in seventh which is just dumb because i had top fives on him um, you know, it was an interesting event. Sunday was weird. I know it was the Super Bowl, Tim, but it was just like you had so many guys, big names right there. And then you look up and Brooks just takes it. Yeah, it got wild there. Uh, even James Hahn looked like he was gonna like run away with it. I was I was sweating bullets due to a previous bet uh, the week prior. <laughs> Thank God he didn't win. Um, but yeah, it was getting crazy. And then Brooks, of course, I would say out of the blue, but it's not really out of the blue because he's one of the best players in the world. But, you know, with bad form, uh, poor stats in his first couple starts of the year. But I think it just goes to show. And it's something that I'm trying to focus on more. I didn't do it last week, but just, you know, the alphas, the guys that can win the event, even if they look like they aren't playing well, they're scuffling. I think just hold a lot more value. It just ha- having a guy that is you know like a Patrick Reed or even a Snedeker guys like that that you know can win events I think is is huge and we saw it last week we, and we've seen it time and time again where early season uh you know a miscut here a miscut there and it really dampens look at Brooks like so many people were were scared and nervous and he, these guys can turn it on I do think that similar to course fit we're starting to discover which has always probably been there that recent form is the same like if there's a guy who's a lesser known name and he's made four or five in a row. Like, you know, that's, he's obviously found something he's in form. It doesn't mean automatically go there, but if it's DJ or one of these guys and they miss a cut and they don't look good, I think overreacting is always what's tends to happen. They can turn it on. These guys are winners. And when they get in the hunt, they tend to close at a much higher clip because they've been there a million times. So that's kind of the theme. I mean, we've seen some guys bounce back quickly, Kevin, Nunn, obviously Brooks last week, I don't really have much to say that that was a 132 man field. This is a full 156. This is a two course rotation. Uh, let's get to it. Let's, let's get into it. So we get Monterey gets the boot. Um, not that that means much to anybody. I don't think anyone really cares. We've got spyglass. We've got pebble for three rounds, Tim. Oh, does that really change your approach? I mean, obviously there's no Saturday cut now. I guess that's a good thing. 
Yeah, I mean, not too much changing as far as the approach goes, removing one of the courses from the rotation, just like we saw at American Express. Um, mm -hmm. So we got, you know, they're both sub 7,000 yard par 72. So really extremely short uh, courses. Um, you know, in the past, they've been set up uh, for the Pro-Am, set up easier. But, you know, like we saw at American Express, I don't think it played all that different, being that they did not have amateurs there. Um, so I expect it to be play pretty easy. You know, Pebble, um, the main defense is always the weather. Um, so if the wind gets up, that could cause problems. But, I mean, you're just looking at two, you know, really short par 72s. Um, you know, driving distance really doesn't matter too much, even though we've seen long guys like DJ win here. You know, he's the best in the world, and I think that's why he's won here uh, and had such a great record here. But, I mean, if you look back, I mean, there's been some, like, serious long shot winners coming out of the clouds, some really old guys. Um, you know, so we had Nick Taylor, Phil, Ted Potter Jr., Spieth, Vaughn Taylor. I mean, even going back to guys like DA Points, I mean, there's been some really, really like off the wall winners and a lot of like kind of old grinders. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure what to attribute that to, but that's just kind of been like the type of player that's had success here, but not a lot of uh, off the tee. Um, and, and if wind gets up, maybe a little bit of around the green, but more so to me, approach game and, and making birdies. Yeah. I mean, these courses, you can see it on paper. If it's not windy, they will tear it apart. And we see this with Pebble all the time. Like Pebble, it, it reminds me of the Euro tour. A lot of times, particularly with the open, you look at these, you know, like St. Andrews, St. Andrews in these courses, if there's no wind, when you watch it, you're just like, what is this? These guys will absolutely tear it apart. It's not long enough. Then when the wind gets going, it's it could be upwards of the hardest course out there because it's just impossible. Now, I think this week we'll probably find, like most, it'll fall in the middle somewhere. I think the weekend may be a little windier, uh, but that is the defense. So it, it gives a lot of variance, and it gives a lot of variance to course history. Like there's some events in here, there's some years where these guys played in horrible conditions, other times much easier conditions. I think that lends itself to more experience. I think it lends itself to more technical golf. I mean, Ted Potter Jr. I, yeah, I don't know what to make of some of these guys. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know if it's the courses. I don't know if it's kind of navigating the pro-am, which we don't have to worry about. But um, yeah, that's uh, yeah, a lot of weird winners, a lot of old guys winning here. And then we've got the other situation. Um, I guess we can get right into it because there's not much to say. Like I said, three on Pebble, one on Spyglass. I'm not even going to worry about Spyglass. You got to be top 65 it's a normal event after 36 holes but we've got and i think this happened one other time already this year and we're saying oh this never happens but the pricing comes out and then dj withdraws so everything is messed up obviously the betting markets were completely shook but even for dfs what do you make of that because cantley obviously would have been you know 11 8 11 9 if dj had withdrawn before pricing dropped yeah, we saw it. Was it Rom? Was it at Tory? I believe, um, but not to this extent. I mean, DJ yeah, was like three and a half to one. He was a favorite. Like we've, I don't remember the last time we saw three and a half to one on the PGA Tour. Um, so with him withdrawing, it, it really puts some things in flux. And honestly, it removes, like, it removed a big decision point from the week. And I think it kind of, I don't know, took the air out of like game theory or, uh, you know, building lineups because he was going to be 40% owned or so. Um, and you really, it was really hard to make a good lineup. Like this is a bad field. It was really just an interesting dynamic having like him being such a big favorite and then such a bad field. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of balanced lineups now people because below seven K is really ugly. People aren't going to want to go there and then there's not really anybody to pay up for. So, I, I mean, I, from just like a, Talking about the tournament game theory, building lineups, I would have liked to see him because I thought it was a really interesting decision point. I think now you're going to see a lot more balanced type of lineups. Yeah, I mean, the allure of, I think you would have seen a million people plug in DJ, plug in one more top guy and just use four cheapies because there is legitimately 80 guys in like the six. I mean, half the field is down there. The pricing is very awkward. When you look, you've got one in the 11s, two in the 10s, eight in the eight or nine in the nines, maybe 10 in the eights. That's like, I named what, 35 guys there, not even. So that means over a hundred players are in the sevens and the sixes this week. 
Uh, that's a ton of names. That's a ton of flyers. With DJ being out now, what do you think? And, and like I said, there's only a couple guys to talk about in this 10K plus range. What do you think that does to Cantlay? I mean, to me, I think the ownership just gets spread out at the mm-hmm. top. Um, you know, because none of these guys are uh, – Cantlay is probably the closest – you borderline elite guy. If you want to talk about like the DJ JT Ron Rory types. Um, but he's just not a guy that people get super excited about as jamming in, you know, at the, as the most expensive player in the field. So, I, I mean, I think you're just going to see um, that ownership kind of get spread out. I don't know. I don't think there's going to be like one really chalky option at the top now. doesn't seem that way. And I guess for me, I feel pretty comfortable going to Cantley. Obviously he's a tournament favorite. Now he never, famous last words but he rarely misses a cut uh he's missed one cut since march 2020 runner up at the amex guy just brings it uh you know the win equity is not as high as i would love it for for like a top end guy but it's also relative to the field i mean look who's with them you've got paul casey is next in the pricing 900 difference and then burger who was terrible last week i mean what do you do do you really go balance i mean obviously this is an easy case to make that you don't want any of these guys and you want to save the salary yeah i mean at the top for me i i would prefer Cantlay play great at american express runner up there gave 5.2 with the ball striking like you said just super consistent this just isn't to me i know paul casey's playing great 12th first uh, on the european tour the last two weeks and then eighth at american express but i mean 10-4 for Casey, you know, being the second most expensive player in the field. That's just not a spot where I've uh, typically gone after Paul Casey um, in, you know, Berger. I, I don't know what to say. I mean, he deserves to be priced up here. I think the course fit is good, although Poe Greens might be a little bit of a concern, was bad last week. But, you know, the the body of work over the last year um, has been good. The short course, I think, fits him well. He's played well here, a fifth and a tenth. I see why he's priced there. Uh, I'm just just not a fan long-term. So for me, it'd be Cantlay of the guys above 10K. Yeah, I think Berger is fine. Um, but Cantlay, to, the, the way I look at it, honestly, is that if Cantlay is the type of golfer in a very strong field, I mean, he's not going to be 11-3, but he'd be up there. Casey yeah. and Berger could be in the like the straight mid-range. Uh, yeah. they, they are forced to fill the vacuum and that's just by a product of the field and, and can't lay to an extent is doing that. But to me, it's not the same. He would be up there with Rom and Rory and, and DJ and Webb and all those guys. Berger and Casey could be down there with a couple missed cuts or a little off down there in the mid eights. Uh, no doubt about it. So that's just a big time tag. The, I'll say this. Nobody, you want to talk about game theory. Nobody is going to play in my opinion, like, two of these guys. And if you do think maybe one of them can win and soak up some win equity, obviously it's not the same, but you start with one of those, that type of lineup, you're going to be a lot different if you go like Casey Berger right off the top. Yeah, I was, I agree with that. And I, that's kind of what I, not that I'm going to go that route, but I kind of thought like once DJ withdraws, like you said, nobody um, will be trying to jam in two of these guys. Yeah. So that, listen, in a field like this, where we know, you just said, like, I don't know where they were, but I can tell you for certain that DA Points and Vaughn Taylor and Ted Potter Jr. probably were all in the sixes. And winners can come from anywhere uh, in this event. So you got to keep that in mind. Let's go to the next range, though. DA Points might have been in the fives. In the fives. They may have made a special <laughs> cat. Where's our boy Ken Duke? I feel like he should be good here, but he's probably fishing. Um, all right. We got the 9K range. Will Z. He wasn't great last week, but he's still doing his thing. 9,900. Now, here we go. We got Spieth at 97, Day at 95, Siwoo, Molinari, Ricky Burns, and Cam Davis. So, again, look at the jumps. I mean, Spieth won good tournament, and boom, he's right in the conversation. Will Z is there. Jason Day is still waiting, uh, but he kind of fits the Brooks mold. We'll go there in a second. What do you make of the 9Ks? I like Zalatoris at 9,900. You know, you said he wasn't great. He was T17 last week, but the ball striking again was good, plus 4.7. He was seventh at Farmers, plus 2.6. Um, he's just been a stud since he's been playing full-time on, you know, since the U.S. Open where he was fifth. Um, 
six of eight starts, T17 or better. He leads the field in ball striking. Now the DJ's not in the field anymore uh, this season, gaining one and a half uh, off the tee plus on approach. I mean, he's been consistent. He's been good. I, I like him at 9,900. Just, um, I don't know, big, big time talent. And, and we've kind of seen it. I was kind of taking a wait and see approach on him, but he's played well almost every time out. And he strikes it really well. Um, so I like him at 9,900. Um, boy. Coming into the week, I wanted, I thought Molinari, things were turning up. I'm like, oh, this might be a really good Molinari spot. I just don't know if I'm ready to go 9,300, and I think he'll be pretty popular at that. But he's played, uh, he's played great. I don't know, kind of coming back from the hiatus that he was on. He was eighth at American Express, gained three strokes to ball striking, 10th at Farmers, gained 6.2. And those are both in three, only three measured rounds. So he's been striking it great. Um, and you got to think Pebble or these courses fit uh, fit his game because he's not the longest guy off the tee. Looks good on paper. I don't know at 9,300, though. I think a lot of ownership, maybe still a little bit overpriced. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think of the upper nine range? Yeah, I got one more guy in the lower nine range, but we'll, we'll, we'll save him for a little bit. Oh, yeah, I'm, I don't even normally I would know where you're going, but all right. So Will Z is obviously interesting because he's just T to green. He's pretty dominant right now. Uh, he's played in some weaker fields and that's where he's really thrived. And then he stepped up in the last two and he's been good there against much stronger fields than this. I still don't know like long-term. I mean, there's, we say this a lot with these guys. So to me, there's a lot of different scenarios. One, he could have a course type where long-term he needs a longer track or a shorter track or something like that. Or it's starting to look more likely that it doesn't matter. He's one of these guys. He's so good that if he shows up and he brings his a game, he's going to be in, in the hunt. Um, I, I do want to talk about day. So another miscut at waste management, not good, but you click in, he lost five strokes putting in two rounds. He's a world-class putter. Traditionally, it hasn't been the case lately. He was positive on the ball striking plus 3.7. Lo- I mean, loves Pebble Beach. Now, could you say that's because it's like a six-hour round normally with celebrities? <laughs> maybe. Maybe that is really a thing with him. I don't know, though. I, I mean, looking at Brooks and-, and these guys, he does fit that mold of someone that if he gets it going, you can't tell me that he's not live to win the event. Yeah, and the and the miscut last week uh, looks a lot better. Like you said, if you look at the numbers kind of behind what was going on, um, positive ball striking, the approach game was good, um, which with him, that's kind of always the concern. Like we know he's long off the tee. Um, we know that he's great on and around the green, but it's like the irons sometimes just go AWOL. And they were really good. Um, yeah, like you said, amazing course history, fourth, fourth, second, fifth, 11th, fourth. I mean, that's literally in a row the last like six years. Um, yeah, I, I I think he's a good play. I don't think a ton of people will go there because they're just going to see him coming off of two missed cuts, 9,500, you know, decent price, but it's not like he's, you know, eight, in the eights. Um, so yeah, I, I don't mind him. I, I see the reasoning behind him. The approach game was good and that's always, um, that's always the problem with him. And I love these guys that, you know, struck it well in a missed cut because I think it throws a lot of people kind of off the scent. They just look at the missed cut. They're like, oh, he was bad last week. That was it. But really not the case with him. And it's a guy we know. Like, I know that Jason Day, again, putting is – we could talk about Ricky in a second, and he's in the same boat. Historically, these guys are great putters. Um, maybe they've lost something. I don't know. But Day has crushed here. He's crushed with the putter. I mean, what more could you ask for? What do you make before we get to your guy in the lower nines? What do you make of Spieth? Because obviously he's going to be in the conversation now. He was unbelievable on the approach. He did what he does around the green and putting. He was horrendous off the tee and got away with it. Pebble kind of fits that. Uh, but of course, this is not 1% owned Jordan Spieth at 7,600. Yeah, you know, like you and I always say, you only get one shot with these guys and not that anybody was playing him last week, but last week, like, was your shot. And, you know, with him, it's a little different with these guys that have, like, big-time win equity um, at 9,700, you know, not super expensive. But he did everything. I mean, it was vintage speed. I mean, awful off the tee, led the field and approach, short game was great. And I think this is a great fit because off the tee is just not important this week. So if he plays like he did last week, 
he's probably going to win because it's a terrible field. Um, it, you're taking a huge leap of faith, right? I mean, he has been bad for quite some time. And we're, we're talking about over a year of not just bad results, but bad stats. There just really wasn't anything there. Now, he looked great last week, so I completely understand the price. I think the course fit is good. Um, but you're just taking a pretty big leap of faith uh, based off of one event. So, you know, I don't know. I don't think I'm going there. I see the reasoning behind it. But again, he's going to be popular. He's a lot more expensive. And these are all things you kind of have to reconcile with. Because, I mean, what, what, once these guys come out of the blue and have, like, any glimmer of getting the game back, like, everything, the price skyrockets, the ownership skyrockets, it's wild. Everybody just piles on these guys. Yeah. It's like Brooks. The time to play Brooks was last week, obviously. Yep. Like, if he was in this field, it would be a whole different ballgame. And, and Spieth has shown flashes. He's definitely in play. There's no doubt about it. But the you're not the bar has changed. Last week it was make a cut. Can Jordan Spieth make a cut? He's 97. Like that's not going to fly. And and we've seen flashes before during this bad stretch of golf. So uh, I would rather play day honestly, especially if I'm getting an ownership discount. Who is this guy in the lower nines? Is it Ricky or is it Cam Davis? It, it's Cam Davis. Okay. I mean, just absolute. Uh, ball striking bonanza the last three events like just putting up some numbers that I mean you usually only see out of like elite elite players now the finishes haven't been great 32nd third and 31st uh, but I mean he gained 9.6 at farmers that's in three measured rounds six at Amex that's in three measured rounds 5.5 at Sony I think the price is decent at 9K. The thing that I like about him, and we've said a lot about him, is he's still a super young guy, and we're not really sure like where he's going to end up in the grand scheme of things. And I like that a lot better than paying 8900 for Kevin Streelman, who, although a lot of things line up for him, it's like you know what we're getting with Kevin Streelman. Cam Davis, we're not sure. I mean, he could be a top 20 player in the world at some point in his career, uh, like a super young kid just kind of coming into his own. And the numbers are fantastic. Um, so I'm a little more apt to just go with a guy like him that has more unknowns, um, but maybe we're getting just a better quality player than some of these old veterans, even though I know I said guys like DA points and whatnot have won here, but um, I just can't ignore uh, these off the tee and approach numbers for Davis. Yeah. They're, they're also just to speak to the other side of that, like DA points and Ted Potter have won, but you have to understand in, in this field, there's legitimately like 60 of them. Like one of them is going to play good, but the other 40, 50 guys, probably not going to play well. Cam Davis, the other part of what you're saying, we don't know exactly what type of course maybe is his best course. Like in, in theory, I I, th- I don't think Pebble is it, but then I look, I don't know, you know, OHL, not bad Puerto Rico. Maybe that speaks to the field strength more than the layout, but time will tell. So I, I totally get it. Last guy, before we go into the eights, I mean, it's the same story. Ricky, he was in the water lost four strokes putting gained 1.5 on the approach is it is it doing anything or is it just fluttering uh it's i mean i really liked him last week i thought things were trending in the right direction the numbers were good off the tee and approach were good the course history was great you know he took a big step back you know the the numbers don't look as good the missed cut hasn't really played here too much so for me it's a pass i was, I was really high on him last week and it was disappointing, um, you know, and it's tough, though. It's tough when you see a guy like Brooks do what he did last week or even a guy like Spieth do what he did last week. It, it kind of makes you want to hang on to these guys and keep buying in. But, um, yeah, I don't think he's for me this week. Yeah, I mean, I don't – obviously, it's it's disappointing. But then I, I also still look at what made Ricky, you know, at one point pretty pretty good to great. And it was the putter since waste management last year. He has not gained more than 2.8 strokes putting in any event. Like for a guy who (laughs) leaned on that, that's just not going to work. He needs six, seven, eight strokes putting occasionally. And that's where you're going to get that big upside. So if he's going to lose four strokes putting, he's not going to be good. I do think though that I want to see what happens in an event where he gets the putter going. Uh, That's my one thing. Do I think it's here? I have no idea. Uh, ownership will tell the tale. I'm not completely ruling him out. Would rather have Day. Would rather have Molinari. Would rather have Cam Davis. I am with you. Okay. Sad. Sad. I wouldn't rather have Martin Trainer though. Um, all right. We got some free <laughs> premium content today. NBA player rankings. 
NHL top stacks. A lot going on. And if you have not, two things. One, if you haven't hit the like button, let's do that. We are marching towards 51,000 subscribers. We're racking them up. That's because of you guys, and we appreciate it. We want to build the channel. want to build the community. want to help you guys out. We also have a new NBA show that is starting every day, an hour before the deeper dive. I'll be on it some days. we got a rotating cast. Great, great stuff. Uh, getting a little gambling in there, a little sports betting in terms of player props, things like that, and also how it affects your DFS line. So make sure to go, go give that uh, show some love, particularly when I'm on it. Um, all right, let's get to the 8K range. Again, it's not that many guys. Streelman, Homa, Norlander. I mean, look at this range. Uh, all the way down to James Hahn. Obviously, for me, Max Homa is going to be the guy again. I'm just going to keep playing him. Wasn't great last week, but he gained six strokes on the approach. He did nothing else good. That's good enough for me, but what a drop-off right off the bat here. Yeah, I'm just going to preface the entire 8K and 7K range with this. They all feel overpriced. When All of these guys, when I looked, I'm like, oh, how about this guy? Oh, man. Oh, how about this guy? Like, they just all feel overpriced, but you know, that's just what we're dealing with, with a weak field. Um, you know, I mentioned Streelman. I, I don't love the guy. I just don't like the type of player that he is. I can see the rationale behind one and play him. He was good at waste management 5.7 uh, with the ball striking 3.4 at farmers is top T seven or better. The last three, not my kind of guy though. Um, Norlander, boy, the name just sounds bad, but he's interesting to me. Uh, he's been striking at grade. He was second at Farmers, gained 6.5. He was 12th at Amex. He gained 4.8, gained almost four strokes ball striking at waste management. Um, just one of those guys feels a little bit overpriced. Um, I guess maybe for me, out of this upper mid to upper AK range, it'd be Brendan Steele at 8,400. Um, really kind of turned it around, ended the fall series pretty poorly, um, but was fourth at Sony, gained almost four strokes the ball striking. Uh, 21st at Amex, gained almost six. And then he was 30th last week, gained almost six again. So three really good uh, finishes for him to start the season. Uh, off the tee and on approach looks solid. Uh, he's probably the name and price that I can stomach the most uh, out of this range because it's pretty ugly. Yeah, I mean, he just can't. He can't putt. Um, he's one of those guys. But That's not important, though. We it's don't not worry about important. That. It's only no. important to the results, which is uh, – Winston, it's all about the street cred on this show. All right. I I think I have vowed off ever playing him again. So I, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do. But, man, if we want to talk about Jason Day's course history, and it is absurd, how about third, first, and second in the last three years uh, with another runner-up finish in 2016? So basically four out of the last five years, this guy has been T3 or better, including a win. It's Phil Mickelson. I mean – if there was a spot to play him, it would be here. The problem is everyone else realizes that too. And I'd rather play him at like 0.1% randomly than like 10% here. Yeah. It's always tough when like the main reason to play a guy is course history. Um, Cause he just hasn't shown much outside of that. Uh, recently uh, played, what was it? Saudi Arabia last week was 53rd, 53rd at farmers, missed the cut at Amex. Um, that's He's a tough one. I mean, it, you know, I can see why he plays well here for the same reasons why Day and Spieth. I mean, spraying it off the tee is not a problem. You know, recovery, short game, putting, all that is is a lot more important. So I see why he's owned this place, but uh, that's just a tough one for me at 8,600. But name value, like when you're talking about Cameron Tringali and Hendrik, Henrik Norlander, um, it feels a lot better to click an actual real golfer like Phil Nicholson. So what do you what do you make of Norin then? Is he a real like is he even a real golfer at this point? Um, Boy, it's really he's the tricky one for me. I as you know, I used to be extremely high on Norin. Kind of went on a tear on the European Tour, won like five events in a fairly short span. Uh, Came over here, almost won a couple events, but we really just haven't seen that out of him. You know, if the conditions are poor. I don't mind him. I think he fits in like the Shane Lowry, Brendan Grace type of mold. Um, I wouldn't mind that, but I, I think for me it would be Steele. Uh, that's fair. I, I think Norn is a great guy because he fits 
builds that are awkward. Um, there are types of builds with day and speed and guys like that, that you can kind of navigate where it's like weak off the tee, very good around the green. I build like that sometimes not going to be a main guy, but he does fit that uh, last guy. And this guy's just kind of doing, doing his thing, going along, making cuts is Matt Jones. Uh, just Tita green is solid. It's not going to blow you away. Not nothing. When you look at him, nothing blows you away, but in this field, that's kind of refreshing. Uh, you just made the cut a bunch here. Everything kind of just checks out price is fair considering what we're up against. I have no problem going to Matt Jones this week. Yeah, I actually really like him. I mean, I, a lot of things are working kind of in his favor. If you look at the results, they're decent. If you look at the stats, they're decent. If you look at the course history, it's decent. Um, you know, he's gained four strokes, 2.4, 1.5, 2.8. And, you know, so that's his four starts. So at least one and a half strokes ball striking all four starts this year. You know, going back to the Sony, he was 11th, 21st, 48th, 30th. You know, decent finishes. Um, he's got five finishes, a T15 or better here since 2010. Um, so it all just kind of lines up. Nothing's wowing you, but I, I like it because you're not going to find – you know, he's played all four events this year and he's played, he's played well in all four. He struck it well in all four. And I, I, I like him. He kind of stuck out for me at AK. Yeah. And listen, again, you're when I know you just rattled off about four metrics and you said decent after every one. if you can find decent, that's a win in this field. Like this is a whole different expectations. You're not going to find guys that have, you know, amazing course history and amazing recent form. And they're also really good. If you did, they would be 11,000. Um, this is just what we have to deal with. Anybody else in the eights, Neesmith, Harmon, to me, these guys are, are whatever, uh, probably towards the back of the pack. Yeah, I mean, Neesmith, again, put together another, you know, good ball striking event. He was seventh. So kind of back to back, you know, decent on approach and off the tee. Um, but I don't know. I mean, him at AK, I, I would I would play Matt Jones over him. Same. And Harmon, he made another cut, but he gained five and a half strokes putting. He is a good putter, but... That's where I go back to Ricky. Like if Ricky gained five and a half strokes putting last week, well, he would have been way up there uh, as would basically anyone except the real egregious players. Um, All right. Now we're starting to open it up. The seven K range. It's not a range. I don't know what it is. It's, you know, 30, 40 guys here. Uh, So we'll start at the top. A lot of withdrawals in here. Wyndham Clark is withdrawn. Cage Lee is withdrawn. Kuchar is withdrawn. Several probably other guys that I didn't even know were in the field, but you've got Kirk. You've got Knox, you've got Sneds, HV3 showed life, RCB. I don't know where he's been. Has he been in Europe? I honestly don't know. Um, what do you make of these guys? These are the type of players that to me, they could have been 9K with just a little better uptick in form. Yeah, I liked Kirk last week. Didn't play well. I wouldn't mind going back to him at 7,900. He's shown some signs of life in the ball striking has really turned around. Don't love him. RCB is interesting. Uh, he's been playing on the European tour, 33rd, 35th, and 4th in those three starts in the kind of mid-east swing of the European tour. So I don't think, you know, that's not bad. He feels like a better player at 7,700 than some of these guys down here. You know, there, there's not a lot to like. So for me, I'm gonna, just going to kind of lean on some of these young guys with upsides, uh, upside that, you know, we're still unknowns. Maverick McNeely, Doug Gim, guys like that. I'll just prefer to take shots with those guys um, and, and hope we kind of get like uh, a, a boom week out of the, some of these boomer bust guys because, boy, it's bad. A lot of just kind of, like we said with Matt Jones, he seemed like one of the few guys in this field that had good finishes, course history, stats. He gets down here, you're just not going to find one guy the guys are going to have kind of glaring holes even though there are some recognizable names I just didn't see a lot that really attracted me to, to one certain guy at least in the upper seven range yeah upper sevens is not great like you know Sneds is notorious that he can turn it on and get crazy hot he is playing terrible like he made a cut he gained five strokes putting in that event I, I'm not really looking to do that honestly I think Russell Knox is fine he's not doing anything spectacular He he made a cut last week but the the stats were a little odd. He actually lost on the approach. That's been the one stable thing, and he gained off the tee. I kind of like that. Maybe ups the variance a little bit. The putter was cold as it normally is. Fine track record here. 
but I want to go a little lower. This is my first, I don't even know if you could call him a sleeper because recommending anyone in these ranges is like kind of egregious. I like Scott Sawlings. Uh, I think he's the type that fits what I want to do here. He's not going to get a lot of buzz. Good ball striking plus 4.2 T to green at, at waste management. He's got some history here. He was third in 2019, seventh in 2018. And when I just think about his game, he's the type of player that I think could fit here. And he has in the past. Yeah. I don't mind Stallings at all. Played him in uh, weekend golf. He was striking it well, <laughs> uh, putted horrible. Like he always does. Um, but you know, two out of his last three. So he was 36, um, last week gained 2.3 miscut at farmers, uh, Miscut at Amex, but the ball striking was really good game. 3.6 in the one measured round that we had there. So he's been striking it well. I will go to Kyle Stanley, though, oh, yeah. um, at 7,400. He's like one of the few guys I really, really like where I don't feel like he's overpriced. Um, again, he's, you know, the same thing as Cam Davis, these other guys. Putter, been awful. Uh, off the tee and on approach, though, very, very good. Uh, 5.7 at Waste Management, 5.8 at Farmers, 2.9 at American Express. He was 36th, 18th, 32nd. Um, Just striping it for 7,400. I like it. I've been playing him. Not going to stop now. Kyle Kyle Stanley is finding something. And this is where it gets a little weird with these prices. To me, Kyle Stanley is in the mid-sevens at like Memorial. Uh, at, at those type of things. And now he's in the mid sevens here, whereas some other guys have gotten a big boost. So to me, it's almost like just by holding steady, he actually feels a little, he's one of the few guys to me that feels a little underpriced in this field. I, so I have to ask you, cause this is your boy. He's just been so bad. Ryan Moore, or are you just going to wait till he makes a cut before you go there? He lost I eight mean, strokes putting last week. That's <laughs> insane. Theoretically, should be a good course fit for him. Uh, short course, easy course. Um, you know, I wouldn't mind taking a shot. I guess maybe I would take a shot with Adam Long, who has not been good either. But we've seen good golf out of Adam Long a lot more recently than we have out of uh, Ryan Moore. And I don't think anybody's going to play either of those guys. Um so if I was going to take a flyer, it'd be it'd be long. And it's, it's funny you say that. So if I was going to take a flyer, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be long, but it, it wouldn't be Ryan Moore. I would actually go to Joel Dahman, who's again he's missed three cuts here, but it hasn't been egregious. He's another guy. Irons can get hot. Uh, I think this is a fine course for him. So if you're looking for a low percentage guy, I'd go to Dahman Stanley firmly ahead of these guys. Uh, God, Andrew Putnam, I don't know if I can do that. He's another around the green and putting wizard. Um, seventh at waste management, he gained nine and a half strokes with the short game. That is, that's like Spieth level luck, but I don't know. I know you would never recommend him. He does not fit your style. Absolutely not. We No, we don't, we don't want any short game specialists. Around All right, here. we're working down. This is is this a part of the show where you tell me that Brandon Grace is, is still good at golf? Please. Uh no. That guy. <laughs> Who do you got in the low sevens? You got Higgs, uh, Tom Hoagie, Perez, Tom Lewis, Scott Piercy, Brunson Burgoon. Sure, why not? Uh, this is pretty bad. It's it's really bad. Um the Burgoon actually sticks out as a guy <laughs> who's strung together two two good ball striking performances. Hasn't gotten much out of the putter or the results, 42nd and 37th, but he was plus 5.2 at Farmers, uh, plus 2.1 at American Express. Um, I don't know. Don't don't love it, but stuck out to me as, you know, this this range is like massive. Like you said, we've named like 20 guys, and we're not even close to the bottom here. But, you know, if we were looking for a guy at like 7K, 7,100, he's one of the few guys that struck or, uh, strung together a couple good events in a row. Um, but I don't know. It's ugly. Yeah. I mean, this is where you have to start to separate what you're trying to get. Like Mark Hubbard, I've seen his name thrown around. I think if you're trying to get a made cut, he's probably one of the better. If you're looking for like top 10 equity, I, I would tend to go to more aggressive players. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Bronson Burgoon is just like, I've played him before 
and it hasn't worked. I don't. I, that's an evergreen statement. Um, what about Piercy at seventy one hundred? So again, he is like to me like Domin. He fits what I think I want to do, but he's not playing well at all. And I I don't really mind that to be honest, because uh, if he was, he would be very popular. And I, it's not going to change my long term outlook on him. He's made the cut four straight years here. I don't I don't mind that. I think he might even be my preferred target in the very low sevens. Like, would you rather have him or Sam Ryder? Uh we're talking Piercy. I'd rather play Piercy. Yeah. Same. Piercy or like Tom Lewis. Yeah, I don't I'm not a big Tom Lewis guy. So yeah, it'd probably be Piercy. Yeah, I mean who is? Who are there really big Tom Lewis guys out there? I don't know. It's not me. I mean, Tom Lewis may be a, a nice fella, but I can never get him right. Um, all right. We got a couple more and then we'll get to the sixes. We'll bounce that out of here. Obviously tomorrow night, me and Jason Rosen will dig into the depths to make the cut segment. You guys know the drill. We'll answer your questions. Talk lineup construction, Michael Thompson. Uh, I mean, he's coming off a miscut at waste management. He wasn't bad. He was good at Amex. Stats are a little all over. I tend to play him more in Florida. Uh, he's a big Bermuda guy. That's probably my biggest concern. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, he's like uh, one of the Bermuda specialists. Yeah. Oh, you know who we didn't talk about? And maybe he's fallen off a little. Yeah, he missed the cut at Farmers. I do think that if you're looking for a guy who's more of a coastal guy, that Kramer Hickok in theory fits that. He really excelled at Bermuda. He's Corrales, Bermuda, again, those type of tracks. I'm not in love with it because when I play him, it's normally at like 6,200, not 7,300. But his name is someone I glossed over a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he had been playing very, very well. uh, Miscut at Farmers, like you said, but I'm not sure that that was the best course fit. He's not a long guy off the tee. um, So maybe this is a little bit of a better fit. Um, Yeah, he's still trying to figure out like where he plays well. It doesn't make sense. He's a Texas guy, though. I don't know how the coastal... Like uh, where where know. where the coastal thing comes in? But, They're good um, with wind. All that's actually very true. It's kind of like the Ryan Palmer thing. Yeah, Ryan Palmer. All, all those got Scheffler. Um, all right. To sum up the sevens, because we we mentioned a lot of guys, and, and Chad just mentioned Varner, who I think is fine. But for me, up top in the sevens, uh, I think I'm going to go Knox in the mid range. It's going to be Stallings and Stanley, and in the lower range, it would be Scott Piercey. Uh, Stanley to me is my favorite play uh, on the, the board and the, and the one guy that I really like, wow, I, he seems like a good play. It's like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm overpaying at all with him. It uh, feels like a great price and that's hard to come by in this field. All right. I, I'm sorry to throw one more name out, but God, this guy, he's made three or four cuts this year, five of six dating back. Did you look at Bo Hogue? I did, but I didn't want you to laugh at me. Yeah, well, I mean, I I didn't even know he was. That's not someone I play too often. But his his ball striking is better than I thought it would be. No, it it's been good, and you know, for seventy three hundred, um, de- decent thirty sixth uh, last week. He gained four point nine. He was eighteenth at Farmers, uh, right around even uh, with the ball striking. He was sixteenth at American Express, gained two point one. You know, this is tough. I struggle a, a little bit in fields like this. And we've talked about this before, and it's like, am I going to chase stats on on not not necessarily unknown players, but kind of low quality players? Do I want to chase the stats with these guys or play a guy like Scott Piercy? Um, and I think it's easier kind of like when you're talking things through to say, oh, yeah, we like Bo Hogue because this, that and the other. Um, but in reality, I, I honestly think that a guy like Piercy is just just a better play. Um, I like taking shots with guys. We're talking Gim McNeely that we feel like have like a lot of upside and a lot of potential that they haven't tapped into yet. Um, you know, a guy like Bo Hogue, Bronson Bragoon. It's like, what do I, I don't know. What are we really doing with these guys? Yeah. I mean, I couldn't pick Bo Hogue out of a lineup of two. I do like that. He only has six letters in his full name. I respect that. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's again, listen, can you put him in, in the pool? Absolutely. You just need to leverage it properly. That is why Alex's tools, whether it's projections or ownership, you know, if, if Bo Hogue is 3% owned in fields, you could take 12%, you get 4X. Wow, great leverage. You don't need 60% Bo Hogue. That's a little much. Uh, that speaks to the importance of those tools. Why we recommend 
You should get inside the ropes, help out, join Slack. A lot of good things here. But all right, let's get to the cheapies. Let's get to the 6K range. There's legitimately 80 guys. Um, you could play a variety of these guys. Is there something that you're going to look for down here? Do you have a theme or are you just going to kind of try to sort through and pick out the few guys that maybe have that upside? Yeah, I, I don't really want to get too invested in any of these guys because I just there's not a, not anybody down here that I think like this is really the guy that we want to go with. Um, so maybe take sprinkles of a little bit of everything because I don't have a lot of confidence in anybody down here. Um, boy, it's like, you know, so Kevin Chapel he fits into the the Piercy Hoffman kind of mold. We just really don't know what's going on with him, but you know, if you just like want to take a complete flyer on a guy, you know, with some upside, I, I wouldn't mind going there. Roger Sloan fits into like the Bo Hogue bucket of guys. We have no clue who they are, but if we look at the stats, they're kind of okay. Uh, gained almost three strokes ball striking at Farmers, gained over three strokes ball striking at Amex, but it's like completely create a player. Um, Affa Barnrat, I think he could be like a complete flyer in a weak field. I remember the last time, at least at least the last time I remember him playing well was at Bermuda. And I kept thinking, like, why did we not just play this guy who we've seen completely erratic, kind of have no clue what we're getting out of him. But he flashes here and there in, in really stronger fields, a lot stronger fields than this. Um, so as a complete flyer, a guy that I don't think anyone's going to play but has had upside in a lot bigger events than this for years and years and years, um, I wouldn't mind taking the complete shot with him. Yeah, I mean, he definitely – so I guess what you're really – to me, what you're weighing here, you have two types of players. You've got some somewhat decent names that have a resume that are playing horribly, and then you have guys that literally barely play on the tour that are playing, I think, a little better. Like, would you rather play, you know, say C.T. Pan? Here's an example. C.T. Pan's played in majors. Uh, he's got some experience. He's a winner on tour. He's missed three cuts to start 2021. Right next to him is Chase Seifert. He's done not a lot on tour, but he's playing a little better. You know what I mean? He's shown some form. He was 12th at Amex. Uh, I don't know exactly what his game is, to be honest. It looks like he's a decent iron player, but who knows? Like, where do you fall on that line? I know it's a case-by-case basis, but are you more apt to say, all right, this guy's up and coming and he's making more cuts, like a Nick Hardy from last week, or Kevin Chappell's, you know, he's in a not a world-class player, but when he was healthy, he's obviously a lot better than those guys. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it depends on like what my opinion is on this unknown player. Um, you know, for me, I, I'm I would probably lean towards the guys like CT Pan, um, who we know that if he plays well, he can win this event. Um, you know, I don't know if Chase Seifert plays well, like where where he ends up. You know, I mean, in it, it's. I'll, I'll kind of side with the guys who, if we get their, you know, top 1% or whatever it is, top 5%, um, that's going to be a win or like right in the mix of a win. It's like, it's hard. And I, and I find myself playing guys like this all the time, like the Adam Shank type of guys where they're, you know, their good finish for them really isn't helping you as much as you would like. So I think no. we kind of can overpay for consistency and stats and when really we should be looking for a little bit more of the boomer bust type of guys and that's where that kind of ties into what you've been saying like yes i i think that someone like shank uh bramlett is down here guys like that chase seaford I, I honestly think they're more likely to make the cut but they're far less likely to give you a random one percent you know top five like brian gay i don't think he's going to make the cut nothing tells me he is but if Brian Gay came out of nowhere and gained nine strokes putting as he's done several times in route to a random win, he won at Bermuda. Uh, he's won at my coat. Like I would be stunned, but I wouldn't be stunned that it was him. You know what I mean? Like he's the type of player. It f- miscuts all over the place, but when he gets going, he really gets going. Yeah. I, I, I think we're on the same page. I've tried to cut out the the playing just some of these middling guys because they've strung together three top thirties with slightly above average ball striking. I I think you can talk yourself into those guys because there's more of a reason um, rather than just saying, I'm going to take a shot with Kevin Chappell or 
or Brian Gay. But in reality, if those guys are playing well, they're going to outperform your Adam Shanks and Chase Seifert types. Yeah. There's a lot of names down here. Like, uh, I'll be honest. I looked at Duffner, didn't really like it. I looked at, I mean, like Ogletree, not going to be there. Ventura, no. Um, what about your boy, Grayson Murray? Cut maker, the birdie maker. Yeah. Still lost strokes. This is a bad course for him, but I don't know. Who, how bad could it be? He was eighth year in 2018. Yeah, but he was. He was actually good back then. He's also priced with some absolute monsters. He's with Uline and Ben Martin. You can't. I saw that. Uline. Uline really, boy, he's calling me down there. I don't. I don't hate it. I really. Uline, the fact that his dad is rich, I think, is hurting his golf game because there's no, there's no hunger there to get better. You know, it's like when your dad owns Titleist or whatever. It's like, well, I don't care if I'm good at golf or not. It's like I'm, I'm rich already. His dad that was a tangent. Titleist? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, it doesn't own Titleist, but it's like, uh, I don't know. What so you does. pair him with Maverick. Like, you, you go for super rich parents. The trust, the trust fund kids. Yeah. Look, um, I, you're making fun of Grayson Murray, but I am. Yeah. We're early. We're real early on him. Um, he, he's been playing better. I mean, four plus 4.2 last week. Uh, made the cut at Farmers right around even. Uh, like I said, he missed the cut at Amex, uh, but the one round was really good, plus 4.3. I mean, this guy's been all over the place in his career, but, I mean, he's he's got talent. I mean, I he think does. there is something there. And at 6,500, at least a guy that's kind of trending in the right direction, the course fit, like you said, isn't great, but he was eighth here. Um, but over, the, over his years, he has shown some flashes, and I think he's trending up in the price – is still at 6,500 in this field is, is too low. Um, so I don't mind him at all. I mean, you're not going to find that much down here. You're either taking a complete flyer uh, or someone who's just been playing straight bad. I, I guess for me, it, it's just a fine line of, you've talked about this a lot. What the, what are you paying down for up, up for? I should say like, yeah. you don't need anyone, but I do, I can't lay. So maybe I do mix it up and try to do that. I'm not going to rule Uline out, though. I'm going to dig into – the problem is we haven't seen him. Uh, I think he fits this course fine, though. I'm a long-term Uline fan. He was a super amateur. Has not worked out, uh, and I can't really spin it any better. Michael Kim, normally that would be a joke. He actually is playing, dare I say, better. Um, Plus four ball striking. That was the – I was astounded when I saw that. Absolutely shocked. Aaron Badley is like a wizard around the greens, but he does nothing off the tee. Listen, we could throw name after name out down here. I think you really want to build and then see where you're at. And if you're in a jam, you have three or four guys down here that make a little sense. And depending on your lineup, they'll probably make more or less sense. Uh, So final thoughts here, Tim. We're going to bounce in out of here because coming up next... We got shows on shows on shows. The NHL show from three to four. We got Jake Harry. We got Josh Harris getting you everything. I watched the Rangers last night. Horrendous. Team can't score. Uh, I'm sure Tim is getting ready for his wild um, or whatever else goes on there. You've